and he's growing. Niobe finished with disgust. And I'm growing sick of the very notion. I won't marry such a child, and that's all there is to it. But that wasn't all there was to it. This time Sean's foot was firm. Niobe raged and pleaded and cried to no avail. She was very good at crying, for her name meant tears. But her father was impervious. He was determined that this match be consummated. And so it was. The bands were duly published, and the wedding was held in early summer when the groom got out of school. Everything was accomplished according to form, but Niobe hardly noticed. She was too chagrined at being married to such a youth. She wouldn't even look directly at him. As the ceremony concluded, he at least had the wit not to try to kiss her. Thus they found themselves alone in a cottage, which was his inheritance. It was in a glade near a swamp, pleasant enough by day for those who liked that sort of thing, but sinister by night. That was perhaps part of the idea. A couple was supposed to be bolted inside during darkness, huddled together for warmth and comfort. There were great romantic possibilities. The locale was conducive. Niobe had no trouble resisting conduction. She wrapped her lovely self up in a voluminous quilt, a wedding gift, and slept on the bed. Young Cedric lay beside the hearth, where there was dwindling radiation from the embers. As the quiet chill of the night intensified, neither stirred. So they spent their nuptial night, the woman and the boy, in silent isolation. In the morning Cedric got up, stoked the ashes in the fireplace, and went out to relieve himself and fetch more wood. Niobe woke to the sound of an axe splitting billets of wood. It was a good sound, for the morning air was chill indeed. Soon there would be physical warmth. Or would there? She remembered that a fireplace was an ineffective way to heat a house. A good stove put six times as much heat into the surrounding air for the same amount of wood burned. There was a stove here. She would see to it. She might not be a genius, but she was practical when it suited her purpose. For one thing, she needed warm hands to operate her loom properly. She wrapped her coat about her nightrobe and went out to use the outhouse. There was an old catalogue beside the wooden seat, half used, and a bucket of ashes. It was an efficient system, she reflected, for this was the classic place for reflection. One could read each page of the catalogue before using it, or simply stare at the pictures. The mind was edified while the body was cleaned. The ashes were to sprinkle over the refuse, cutting down on the smell, and of course there was a ready supply of them at the house. The refuse was periodically toted to the garden for compost. It was an old-fashioned system, but a good one. Nothing really was wasted. Still... She would have preferred a modern city toilet. She emerged in due course, shivering in the cold, but she paused to watch Cedric at work. He was not cold at all. The effort of splitting heated him. She had to admit he was good at it. He set each billet of wood on the chopping block, 
and halved it cleanly with a single blow of the axe, so that the pieces toppled to either side. He was a boy, but a big boy, with a fine ripple of muscle as he swung the axe. His blonde hair jumped as the axe struck, and a muscle in his cheek tightened momentarily. A bunny boy, indeed. He saw her and paused. "'You're cold, Miss Niobe,' he said with a rich backwoods accent that, like Niobe's form, is better imagined than rendered. "'Here, take my jacket till I get the wood in. I'm too hot, anyway.' "'Don't call me Miss,' she protested. "'I am, after all, your wife.' It grieved her to say it, but it was a truth she could not deny, and honesty required that she not attempt to. A marriage, however ill-conceived, was a marriage.